Hello? Is this thing on? Hello? Welcome to Rapid Real Estate Radio. Prepare to be entertained and educated by expert interviews, real-life anecdotes, and pro tips, all designed to help you get started making money in real estate as fast as possible. Your host is a real estate investor, licensed broker, and coach who has helped thousands of new investors complete their first deal. Here's Gavin McCaleb. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Rapid Real Estate Radio. It's Gavin McCaleb, your host. Today, we're going to do a case study. We're going to be talking about a real-life deal out of eastern Idaho. The individual involved in the deal will remain nameless and private, which I believe is appropriate. And, of course, the address won't be given. But the circumstances will be discussed as accurately as possible based on my recollection and my notes from that discussion. So this is a conversation I had with a student. As you guys know, I am a real estate investment coach. And I had a student call me and we workshopped this deal on a conversation. And I thought it was worthy of bringing it out to your attention. So the circumstances was with this deal are that he had already purchased this property. In fact, he bought the property a couple years ago before he had ever invested in any organized real estate investing education. Now, of course, there's many ways to get involved in real estate. There's really, if you if you want to be a real estate investor, you really could just go out and do lots of different things. You could go buy a property. You could talk to your friend who knows about it. You could buy a book. You could listen to a podcast. You could watch a show. I mean, there's lots of different ways you could get involved. In this case, he went out and uh, bought a property. And as you'll see here in a few moments, it was not the best in terms of profitability. But that's really, I mean, you can get started however and whenever you want. Those of you who like to get started cautiously and and analytically, I support that as well. But let's kind of look at these numbers and, and talk about the different scenarios that he was faced with. And hopefully you can use this as an example for as you analyze deals yourself. So because of the nature of this, it is, of course, verbal. I'll be speaking it. There will be some numbers flying around. I hope it doesn't cause any great confusion or anxiety for you. Later on, the text will be transcribed and it'll be available via blog post. Uh, maybe it'll be published under the YouTube version. I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to do, to be honest. But I do know it'll be transcribed on the blog eventually. So at this moment, just try to bear with me and make the most of it uh, as you can. So I had to coax most of these details out, but eventually I got to the bottom line. So the way this property stands up, it is a townhouse in eastern Idaho. I think it was Idaho Falls, to be completely honest. It might have been Pocatello now that I think of it, but it's in eastern Idaho. So it was a townhouse, and to go from the top down... We believe that the current value of the property, the current market value that you could sell it for if you listed it publicly, available for sale, is about 154900 Or we could call it one fifty-five. It's really literally a $100 difference. So that was based on comparable properties. That was based on some fairly recent sales. And I think, I think that's a very reasonable price. That if you were to list it for sale publicly, 155 sure. So this fellow had a mortgage on the property. 
and the mortgage on the property was 139,471, or just shy of 140, for those rounding off from my verbal description. So in other words, not a ton of equity, maybe a little bit, but really not that much. And the monthly situation is as follows. He was he had a renter. There's a renter in the property. He was collecting $1,025, $1025 each month collected in rent. His mortgage payment was $1,114. You can already start to see maybe a little bit of a challenge here. And so 1114 mortgage plus he was paying a property management company $100 per month to manage this tenant. He lived in a different city, and so he thought it would make more sense to have a local property manager take care of this. So I'm at, and by the way, that, that 100, excuse me, that 1114 number, um, it tur- uh, that's an aggregate number that includes all the expenses. So that was a PITI, which is principal, interest, taxes, and insurance. And those were all the expenses that he had. The tenant paid for the utilities. And uh, anyway, so I just want to be clear that that's the aggregate expense. So so between the PITI and the management company, 1214 total cost each month. And again, bringing in 1025 each month, which if you want to stop and do the math, I've, I've already done it here. I'll just tell you. It's $189 negative per month. So each month, he was um, looking at essentially out of pocket. So he was coming out of his own personal money to pay this property. And if you multiply that out by 12 months, it's $2,268. So it's $2,268 negative per year. And he says, what should I do, right? So this is the situation that, that he brought to me as his coach. He says, coach, here's where I'm sitting right now. What should I do? So there are a few scenarios that we were able to tease out of this. A few of these may be obvious, but let's talk about it. So let's say, well, what happens if you're sitting in a situation that's not favorable, well, I was able to pull out four different possibilities for him to to do. So, actually, now that I think of it, no, that's basically four. Sorry, I was going to say I just as I was speaking, I thought I had thought of five, but I, I think I've already included all the relevant scenarios. So here's scenario number one. Scenario number one is basically cut your losses and sell it right now. So when I say cut your losses, what that means is as soon as you sell the property, you're completely done with it. You, you make what you make. Anything you've spent is in the past. You can do it right off. It could be a tax deduction. That's fine. But but now it's a closed book. You can't go back and recoup anything else. It's, it's just over. That's what they call it. Cut your losses. You cut off the situation. It's over. So I want to walk you through the realistic scenario here. If the property is worth 155 or in this case, 154.9, right? Then... In order to figure out your true net, see that's the sale price. That's not the amount that you get. There's going to be some settlement fees, some closing costs. There's always some costs associated with selling a piece of property. If you list it with a real estate broker 
Well, that's going to cost you some money because you have to compensate the real estate broker. And so in a typical scenario, you may find paying a real estate brokerage commission of around 6%. That's 3% to the buyer's agent, 3% to the seller's agent, and another 1.5% in miscellaneous closing costs and fees. That's your escrow fee, your your title transfer, your recording costs, really whatever else might have, you know, settling up all your old accounts and, and resolving it. And so that's about 7.5%, right? And so in this case, if you subtract 7.5%, from 154.9, your net is 143.282.50. Okay? 143.282.50 minus the loan payoff. And, and I want to clarify that this was, in fact, a loan payoff. It was not the principal balance. Those two figures are not the same either. If you ask someone how much they owe and they show you the principal balance, that's not the amount you got to pay at closing. You've got to pay an accrued interest per diem based on whatever day of the month that you close. So you got to actually order a specific loan payoff amount. It's it's close, right? It's in the same ballpark, but it's not exact. So in his case, the loan payoff, the actual payoff was one thirty nine four seventy one. So you subtract those two, and you're looking at like three thousand, maybe between three and four thousand dollars profit. Well, I, I hate to say profit based on all the money he spent on the property, but f about $4,000 net walking away from the closing table. So that's scenario one. He could certainly do that. Now, I want to clarify a couple things real quick. Number one, I want to make sure you guys understand that I am not specifically saying that real estate brokerage commissions are 6%. They are negotiable. They're completely negotiable. In fact, they are by legal definition not set. Otherwise, it's called price fixing. And they got to come in and bring the feds in and do some kind of monopoly busting or whatever it is that they did with big oil and big steel. So, yeah, that is conventional. Yes, there are brokers that charge that fee. And no, that's not set in stone. No, those aren't standard commissions. Those are common, but they're negotiable. So you could go out and find a broker willing to do it for 1%, 2%, half a percent, really anything. You could pay them a flat fee. There's lots of different brokerages out there. And I just want to make sure that you guys understand that I never, in the course of this conversation or any other, have advocated price fixing. Okay? So that was that. So that's one scenario. He could sell the property. He would net a few thousand dollars. He'd be done with it. All the money he spent in the past, he could use as a write-off. It's a loss. But he's no longer spending any money every month to keep a property. So scenario two is... The idea of betting on appreciation, which is a little risky, but also, honestly, it pays off quite handsomely. So betting on appreciation is this. You are spending two, uh, $2,268 per year on out of pocket on this property. So if you believe the value of this property will increase greater than that amount, you're betting on appreciation. So if, for instance, after three years or after five years, instead of $10,000 that you've spent out of pocket, it's now increased in value $20,000, that's, that's the bet you made. You bet on appreciation that the money I'm spending to maintain the house is less than the appreciation, and when I sell it in the future, I'll get that money back plus some. But again, that's not a huge trade-off as far as if I wait five years and I spend an extra $10,000 out of pocket and then I sell this thing for 20000 
that recoups my well twenty thousand net. That recoups my ten thousand dollar that I spent and another ten thousand dollars. Would I like to have ten thousand dollars at any given moment? Of course. Do I want to walk the tightrope with this for five more years in order to get that extra ten thousand? I don't know. Probably not. I don't think I would choose that scenario. But I just want to acknowledge that it is something that people can and do choose to do with their property. So that's called betting on appreciation. Uh, the third scenario is to go in and try to change the immediate situation. So we know we have a renter who's paying ten twenty-five a month, and I kind of workshop this with him as well. Is it possible to increase the rent? So we did talk about this, and based on market rents and vacancy rates, which are the market forces in a rental property, it seemed possible to raise it maybe $50, maybe on a real push, 75 bucks. So that gets you to 1100 best case scenario. But remember, we were 1214 out the door every month. And so I decreased my loss. So now I'm only 100 and what would it be? $114 negative instead of $189. That's helpful. Cool. That's great. I narrowed the gap a little, but it didn't solve the problem. It just kind of, uh, it sty- did it stymie it? Stymied the loss? I don't know. It staved, staved it off a little bit. So, <laughs> one thing you guys are going to find out about me is I got a lot of words bouncing around in my head, and I try some of them out, and... A lot of times they stick, and sometimes I'm not sure if it's the right word, and I just roll forward. And so if you guys think you had a better word there, you could certainly uh, send me a message, or you can comment here on the blog or on the YouTube version. Anyway, so the, the other situation is, so you could raise the rent, or he could manage it himself. So that would save him a, another $100. Heck, maybe if you combine those two, if he manages it himself and he increases the rent by 75 bucks, now he's only negative $14 a month. So that's something that if, if you decided to bet on appreciation, I think I would also recommend trying to narrow the gap a little, trying to decrease the amount that you're spending every month. So that way your appreciation would actually be even more towards the end after you decided to get rid of it. Now in another situation, so this in this case, that was probably the best he could have done. In another situation, maybe in your situation or another case study, there's a chance that if the rents are lagging behind market rents, you can actually increase the rent all the way to where it's no longer negative. So that is something to explore for sure to see if the rent is at market rate. If you can increase it, does that stop the hemorrhaging and make it to where you can then make money instead of lose money? That's the question we're asking. So the fourth scenario involves selling the property to the tenant. So you can use any number of creative methods for selling. There's really two pretty standard ways you could operate. Number one, if the tenant could just buy the property, go out and get their own loan, you would literally save yourself whatever the brokerage commissions would be. So maybe roughly around $9,000 extra net if you just go straight to the tenant, they get a new loan, they buy it for one fifty four nine. You still have some settlement costs and some closing fees. But in any case, that, that would be certainly very ideal for you. And there's also maybe like a lease option scenario. So in a lease option, maybe the tenant cannot qualify for a loan today, but they do want to own the property. So at that point, you would want to collect an option premium 
And then you want to make sure that whatever they were paying for the lease, the lease portion of the lease option, was at least sufficient to cover the mortgage payment. So in other words, you'd go in and renegotiate and say, hey, instead of instead of uh, 1025, you're going to now own the property. You're going to take over the mortgage. It's 1114, but as soon as you can, you can refinance that out, and now you own the property in a new loan. So that's the lease option scenario. It would depend heavily on the tenant's interest and desire to do that. So if they really wanted to stay living there, they might agree to do that for a short term until they could get a, their own loan to refinance it. And so that's the fourth scenario. Go to the tenant, see if they would buy it. So we talked through all four of these scenarios. And I think ultimately he ended up setting on a combination of two and three, which was to go back, try to reconfigure, either get some more income or uh, reduce the expense of the manager and then bet on the appreciation and not sell it for another couple of years. So that's what he ended up deciding to do. But again, this was a difficult choice because he came to me after many months of already losing the money. We didn't lose it. He already had to pay the money to maintain the property, a negative cash flow. And so there's a couple of pro tips I want to pull out of this just as you guys go on your way. Number one, you want to, if you find yourself in a bad spot, it happens to the best of us. Some, sometimes we, we miscalculate something and now we're in a tight spot where it's negative cash flow. You're always better off to run the scenarios and make a proactive, affirmative decision. So if you just sit back and you don't do anything at all, then obviously the default is you continue on the same trajectory. You don't change. You don't progress. You just continue to go negative forever. And so I highly recommend that you run the scenarios. You see, which one do I really choose? And then go ahead and execute that plan. And the second pro tip, of course, is to get clear on what you're doing before you buy the property. So in this case, he actually purchased his property originally from a person who didn't want the property, and they basically just said, hey, do you want it, right? It was a subject to, I believe, if I recall correctly, which means he took over the property with the existing mortgage in place, which normally you'd say, great, that sounds like an awesome scenario, except over the last few years, he's been paying almost $200 every month just to maintain it. So if we project forward into the future and he gets a few thousand dollars after he sells, yeah, it ends up being some money in your pocket. But, but at what cost? At the mental cost of having to you know, worry about this all these years and wonder if any month it's going to dip below the uh, threshold of being maintainable. So I guess the second pro tip again was to not make this mistake in the first place. You know, if someone would have showed up and told him, hey, I've got this property I want to give you. It costs $114, excuse me, $1114 a month in mortgage. You can rent it for $1025. What do you think? Look, I get it. People are like, hey, appreciation. I'm willing to go negative for a few months. I, I get that he was tempted. I I'm not criticizing that aspect of it. But ultimately, I would give you the courage to say, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to deal that I go negative every month. Yes, I understand about appreciation. Yeah, I think I could probably make some money in the long run. But I don't want to spend any stress or any mental energy worrying about this and knowing that if that tenant goes away, now I've got the whole 1114 that I'm obligated to do. So those are the pro tips. Hopefully you guys got some value out of this conversation and you can kind of see the scenario. Maybe you can apply it to your situation as well. 
If you guys want to get coached or have more information about investing, hop over to uh, rapidrealestateradio.com and you can learn more about that. If you guys ever need real estate services in the state of Idaho, honestly, the southwest corner of Idaho, let me know. I'd certainly be glad to assist. And on that note, I'll finish with a little word of wisdom, which says, remember, the failure is not the opposite of success. It's part of it. Think about that. Allegedly, that comes from Ariana Huffington, the media mogul, if that's what she is, in fact. Uh, the attribution is a little suspect, but I, th- I thought the quote was accurate enough to share it with you guys. You can Google it up and see if someone else said it to your satisfaction. Or you can just say, hey, it sounds true. Well, that's all I have for today. Looking forward to seeing you guys next time on the future episode of Rapid Real Estate Radio. We'll talk to you then. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Rapid Real Estate Radio. Please remember to subscribe and tell your friends. Have a burning real estate question you need an answer to? Visit rapidrealestateradio.com to submit your question and to find out how you can get your rapid start in real estate.